0: This morning, I am so pleased to introduce our guest speaker, Reverend Jennifer DeBusque Alviar. She is an ordained Unitarian Universalist minister and also a member of eShore. We are so fortunate to have her. She recently completed her year-long eco-theology certificate program with an environmental nonprofit called Seminary of the Wild. Reverend Alviar is currently engaged with East Shore's Indigenous Team Connections Team as part of its commitment toward racial justice and anti-oppression work with the UU's Eighth Principle. She received her Master of Divinity degree at Star King School for Ministry in Berkeley, and now lives with her family, on the traditional land of the duwamish people known as seattle washington i warmly welcome reverend alviar as well as all our visitors friends and members of the congregation for today's worship
1: in early november 2020 i received a call from a unitarian universalist church in florida The congregation invited me to deliver a virtual worship service as a guest preacher on November 15th. This particular date marked less than two weeks after the contested presidential election between Trump and Biden. The worship team made this request. Would you please preach on the state of our nation and the state of our souls given our divided country? I contemplated this moment. I am a UU minister from a northern blue state being invited to preach to a southern red state. What might I say to help bridge this divide at such a polarizing time? I thanked them for this kind offer and told them I needed some time to think about it. I would get back to them shortly. They agreed. During this discernment process, it occurred to me that November's election overlaps with the season of food and fellowship. Perhaps if I frame this sermon within the theological context of a welcome table, then maybe I could navigate these delicate boundaries in a spirit of grace, hospitality, and inclusion. So I agreed to this guest preaching opportunity. I began collecting stories, hymns, readings, and prayers that embrace a unifying message about healing our nation through this bridge-building effort. I did my best with this sermon given the timing and topic. The UU congregation in Florida graciously received in my message yet I couldn't help feeling that I somehow missed the mark. I wasn't able to pinpoint exactly why at that time, but if this global health pandemic has taught me anything over these past two and a half years, it is this. We cannot heal our nation collectively. Bridging the the divide can only be done relationship by relationship, in our own specific communities. In other words, we build trust politically and religiously through the distinct character of a place and the unique people in it. A diplomatic message of unity offered in the abstract just doesn't cut it. To further illustrate my point, I would like to share with you a story. I recently participated in a storytelling workshop with a nonprofit called Green Plate or called Rite of Passage Journeys. The facilitator, Ben Dennis, invited us to tell what he called a generative story. Storytelling as an agent of social awareness and transformation. Here were some of his guidelines. One, choose a story that speaks to your place in the world. Draw from experience that is personal, has meaning within your community, and where you have skin in the game. Please, let's do our best to avoid, avoid rants and grand political gestures. Again, be personal. Two, focus on a trajectory, the journey of revelation, lessons learned, resolve. And three, if possible, let your journey be a gift that you share. All of us have stories that are wonderful. Even the tragic ones are gifts. Be, po- be poetic, creative, and loving. I thought about many stories I might tell, but there was one that kept coming back to me. I kept pushing it away. No, not that one. But it was one of those stories that insisted on being told. I became curious about its urgings. Why this story? Why now? I realized that it was a story about food, fellowship, and forgiveness. A timely message for all seasons. So here's my story. It is dinner time. I'm in the kitchen with my daughter Madeline, who at that time is nine years old the sights and smells at the kitchen create a warm cozy feeling between us i'm browning some meat on the skillet as we chat happily together suddenly i hear a pop then a scream the hot oil from the skillet accidentally spills onto my daughter's body causing a burn on her belly I know we all make mistakes. Accidents happen, but self-forgiveness is hard to come by. In time, the physical wound heals, but the emotional scars remain. My daughter's natural spirit of joy is replaced by fear and anxiety. This breaks my heart. I reach out to Madeline's pediatrician, Dr. Lena Liu. Please help me, I plead. This cooking accident seems to have paralyzed Madeline with fear. I need some way to free her from this anxiety. How can we move from the paralysis of fear towards a greater sense of freedom, hope, and healing? Dr. Liu is compassionate and resourceful. She introduces me to the nutritionist, Rebecca Finkel. This one pivotal introduction forever changes our lives. Rebecca looks into my anguished face and says, your timing is perfect. Seattle Children's Clinic at Odessa Brown has just developed a brand new partnership with a nonprofit called Green Plate Special. You are welcome to join a six-week parent-child cooking class. This class takes place in a wonderful organic garden on an urban farm, kids gain a holistic approach to cooking, nutrition, gardening, and meal sharing catered to a diverse community. I think you'll really enjoy this innovative seed-to-table learning environment. Best of all, it starts next week. I am filled with immense gratitude. On the first day of class, Madeline and I open the garden gate and walk in. The garden bursts with joy, overflowing with brightly colored flowers and fresh fruits and vegetables. I take in a deep, hopeful breath. My body relaxes. Then Madeline runs over to the chicken coop. I don't know what it is about chickens, but they put everyone at ease. As Madeline feeds the chickens, other kids join her creating a lively spirit of playfulness, curiosity, and friendship. In the kitchen, spices and fresh herbs tantalize our senses. We learn about culturally relevant foods from around the world. First, we cook a South Indian vegetable stew called sambar. Next, we prepare and savor an East African vegetable curry dish. Then we used our hands to shape Middle Eastern kofta meatballs grilled on skewers accompanied by fresh garden vegetables and delicious tzatziki sauce. And finally, a crowd-pleasing favorite, homemade pizza with Italian tomato sauce, herbs and mozzarella cheese baked in a wood-burning oven. Are you hungry yet? At the end of Madeline's six weeks with Greenplate Special, she had indeed regained her joyful spirit along with valuable cooking skills and a deep appreciation for food and fellowship. This alchemy between food and fellowship leads me to reflect on a larger question. Each of us at one point or another is wounded by life. Some of our wounds are emotional, some are physical. Oftentimes, our pain is a mix of both. How can we move from the paralysis of fear towards a greater sense of freedom, hope, and healing? In my experience, the most profound truth lies in the humble prayer recited before each meal at Green Plate Special. This food is a gift of the whole universe, the earth, the sky, and much hard work. May our actions be a reflection of this gift. In the most tender moments of life, vulnerable, raw, and in pain, the earth gives herself to us. A seed was planted on fertile soil the day that I reached out for help and was graciously cared for. Madeline's healing and mine as well began with four simple ingredients. A clinic, a nonprofit, a garden, and some chickens. For me, it all comes down to this. On days when life feels scarce and I am short on hope, I shut my eyes and breathe. I imagine myself back in this beautiful, soulful garden. Then I pray. I pray that my actions may indeed be a reflection of this gift richly given and humbly received. Here in this garden, I find freedom, hope, and healing. This storytelling experience offered me a priceless gift. I discovered that what we are really practicing is not a polished version of our spoken words, but rather practicing our humanity in community with others. I invite you to name or feel your way in to your own lived experiences where your humanity has been expanded through community connections, your soul forgiven for mistakes made, your spirit uplifted, renewed, and restored. Reflect on a moment where you have experienced and encountered a greater sense of healing and wholeness in a fragmented world. Breathe deeply into this moment and may you be blessed. And may you also know this. The way that we move from the paralysis, paralysis of fear towards a greater sense of freedom, hope and healing is not just through food. It also requires chairs of representation for the creation of a true, inclusive, embodied fellowship. In the midst of our fear, our natural human impulse is to move out of our bodies and into our heads, only fueling greater anxiety. Yet the artists, poets, and mystics knew better. They act like wise fools and sacred tricksters. They find creative, subversive means to guide us back to ourselves and give us the strength to explore the world's injustices through a lens of liberation. At least, this is how I experienced it when I first met liturgical artist Chris Garrett at University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. She designed a most thought-provoking set of chairs depicting Jesus' ministry of inclusive table fellowship. As Chris explained, 12 of the 13 chairs seated at the table are intended to represent segments of society that have been considered outcast. Imagine engaging in a meditative practice of sitting in a chair that represents, for example, addiction. What might that embodied sensation feel like for you? Hold this question in your heart and mind as you move to another chair. Take a seat. Experience on a deeply sensory level what it feels like to inhabit the chair of an LGBTQIA plus person. Or someone who is unhoused, a BIPOC person, a refugee. What does this sensory sensory meditation bring up for you on a body level? These chairs were designed many years ago, and some of the societal language has since changed. Perhaps there are other chairs you might add and other names you might offer if you don't feel that your own lived experience is represented here. Yet the singular wound of being excluded from the welcome table of hospitality and inclusion remains painfully vivid and alive for many people today. In our unjust society. Notice how the vibrant colors and the particular arrangement of chairs displayed from the UC UCC church are strikingly similar to that of Green Plate Special's garden. As a people of faith and service, we are called to connect our church values of love and justice through relationship building with our largest a larger community. That is why I feel called towards a community ministry of bridge building and liberation. As someone who is neurodivergent with a hidden disability due to a childhood brain injury, I have learned to navigate my way between the seen and unseen realities of life that move me towards justice. It is often our wounds. That reveal an intimate understanding around the values of allies versus the individualism of self-sufficiency. Take Moses, for example. He did not liberate the Israelites from Egypt single-handedly in all his power, strength, and glory. No, Moses had a speech impediment. He felt unqualified to speak directly to the Egyptian high priest imploring Pharaoh To let his people go. To accompany Moses on his journey, God offered offered him allies. Moses' brother Aaron served as a spokesperson in communicating to Pharaoh. Moses' sister Miriam served as a prophetess who raised her timbrel and led the Hebrew women in song and dance, celebrating the escape from slavery in Egypt after the parting of the Sea of Reeds. Ultimately, liberation happens through a strong network of trust and collaboration among allies and partners. We can't heal our divided nation collectively in the abstract, but we can help to liberate and heal some of our social injustices through our partnerships, in particular, connections and community with others. When we act for justice in partnership with others, we put a human face on social issues. We break down barriers. Our actions keep us from becoming invisible, dehumanized, alienated, and anonymous. To this end, I would like to share with you some examples of how community partnerships we have cultivated here at East Shore Unitarian Church. My hope, is that these examples might spark ideas for further social justice projects across diverse faith traditions and other communities. In doing so, we helped to model a welcome table of hospitality, inclusion, and liberation. In the months leading up to November, 2020, East Shore partnered with our social justice organization called UU The Vote. We planted seeds of hope and nurtured life-giving soil of political social change through the democratic process. Our church joined nationwide movement with other UU congregations and the broader community. We helped to get the vote out through postcard and letter writing along with phone and text banking. In July, 2021, East Shore engaged in honoring indigenous rights through a ceremony called the Red Road to DC Totem Pole Journey. The the Lemmy House of Tears Carvers blessed us by visiting our church, bringing their stories to share along with their 24 foot totem pole designed by master carver, Jewel James. The Red Road to DC Totem Pole Journey brought public attention to the need to protect Native American sacred sites, lands, and waters across the country. Washington, D.C.'s Secretary of Interior, Deb Haaland, the first Native American to hold this position, received the poll, its vision, and welcomed the message. As part of this same Indigenous ceremony, Guatemalan social artist Melanie Schombach brought her 18-by-18-foot 18 18 commemorative canvas mural to share with the East Shore congr- congregants. She invited everyone to paint images, visions, and symbols of what is spiritually central in- to our lives and how we can connect to Mother Earth in its mural titled Eala'e. It's a Hawaiian expression that refers to the morning sun, which awakens us to each new day. Each of us can decide how we will live that day and do right by all. The people in our lives, the sacred earth, waters, and all living beings. Most recently, in April, 2022, Eshore's children and youth ministries engaged in a sunflower piece art fundraiser to support Ukraine. All proceeds, Benefit the Emergency Relief Fund Ukraine response through our partnership with the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. Sunflowers represent Ukraine's national flower as well as a symbol for peace. Currently, the sunflowers are serving as a symbol of resistance against the country's invasion of Russian forces. Our youth will be planting sunflower seeds in our thriving Eshora peepatch to further symbolize solidarity with Ukraine. In partnership with others, we move from the paralysis of fear towards a greater sense of freedom, hope, and healing. This is how we bridge the divide through food and fellowship, in addition to faith and service. And this is how we work to assemble the chairs of representation and power to create a truly inclusive, embodied welcome table. In doing so, we create space for the possibility of grace, healing, and liberation. May it be so. Amen. Shalom. Salaam. Namaste. Ashe.